Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Never find your management company through a Google search. Find them through uh, listening to property managers that we interview on this podcast. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. And today we're doing a special segment. It is part two of a three-part series where Theo Hicks, the co-author of The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volume 1 and Volume 2, is interviewing me on my career journey. And it is split up into three segments. So if you haven't heard the first, then go listen to episode, uh, well, whatever the episode is titled, but part one of three. Mm -hmm. It will be in the show notes of this page. 
are on this page where you found this content. And the part one talked about the progress from uh, up until the point when I bought my first property. And then we stopped there yep. before I bought the first property. And now this is going to be property, all my single family home properties and lessons learned along the way. And then part three of three of this series will be on my multifamily investing. And the reason why we're doing this, it's not so I can talk about what I'm doing. It's not very interesting to me personally, what I do. <laughs> I like to hear about what others are doing, but I get a lot of questions. Uh, we get tons of questions via Facebook and uh, emails, a lot of emails about how did I get started? What was my journey? What were challenges I came across? How did you get to where you're at? And instead of answering them on one-off emails, we wanted to do a three-part series that addressed all the questions that you might have about how I got to this point and lessons learned along the way so that if you want to take a similar journey with your entrepreneurial path, then you know how I did it and how I'm doing it. So with that being said, we'll, we'll kick it off with Mr. Theo Hicks and you can take it away. So as Joe said, last time we got right up to before he bought his, his first property. We kind of talked about uh, some things about his, his time while investing in single families. But I think the, the first question would be, what was the, the, first, the first action you took after you had saved up enough money to purchase your first single family? What was the first action you took towards kind of pursuing whatever it is that you took the first action on? Whether it was finding a deal, finding an agent, mm -hmm. finding the, a lender... What was, that? what was the first step that you, you took? Well, when, so I had, you're saying after I got the money, after I saved up the, yep. the money, what was the first step? It was to find an agent. Okay. And this is, I, I had the information as far as how to buy and what I was looking for. So I just needed to find an agent. And I was originally going to uh, work with my sister, yep. but I, I don't remember why. We didn't, on the, my first deal, think she was busy or she had other commitments or something uh, because my sister's a real estate agent in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, she referred me to her, someone she knew and respected, and I reached out to him and we started working together. Okay, so you met with him, you, you already had your money and your, and your deal criteria lined up. This was also also out of state, and so that's how you, that's how you met her. How long from when you kind of first met this agent until you actually started finding potential deals? And I guess once you, and I guess the second question would be, how many deals did you look at before you actually mm -hmm. found your first investment property? It took a while to, to train the real estate agent. Mm -hmm. And it's challenging when you're doing your first deal and you're also training the agent. The agent that I was referred, or who was referred to me, Great agent, but all we what had been focused on uh, primary residence people okay. up until that point. So everyone who wanted to buy a starter home for their family or upgrade to uh, a larger liability, he worked with them. Uh, not he had never worked with investors, so therefore I would initially get a lot of of emails with MLS printouts or or just certain homes and 
I, it would be irrelevant to me because if I don't know what the rent is for those homes, then it's of no value to mm-hmm. me because all I needed to know was what is the uh, purchase price, what does it rent for, and how much is it to get it move-in ready. Those are the three things that I was looking for. And I knew the areas, and I know the areas very well in Dallas-Fort Worth, so I was able to remove some of the the areas I didn't want to be. But initially, it was January of 2009 that I started working with Gary, this is the real estate agent's name. And we looked at, or I looked at, probably... He probably sent me 50 to 100 properties. Now, I did not run the numbers on 50 to 100 properties. I simply uh, looked at uh, what the rent ratio was compared to the purchase price. And I just, I mean, if that that's how I ran the numbers. So it was really quick, like okay. you know, th- two-minute exercise per property. We ended up getting a property under contract in the summer of 2009. And uh, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I ended up losing my earnest money deposit. It was a big hit, a big hit. It was like a th- $1,500. Yeah. That, that it, was hu- it still is huge for me, but proportionate to my overall income, it's much less now than it was then. And I... I, I it actually had I it delayed me a little bit because then I had this I had a W two income and I was saving just a certain amount a month mm-hmm. from a paycheck, so I had to delay the purchase a couple months longer to save up that money that I had just lost. And I wish I could remember that Alessa, but I mean ultimately we made our my my earnest money non refundable. And we shouldn't have because we backed out of the deal due to the inspection issues mm-hmm. and we weren't paying attention to the calendar or the contract. So I guess that's the lesson. Pay attention to the calendar and the contract when you're doing a deal. And that was that was before I ever purchased a property. I lost like $1,500. Eventually, uh, after I saved up money, it was October of 2009 that I bought the first place. And that was, and I was always, I was looking for at least a three bedroom, two bath house. I want at least three bedroom, two baths because I wanted ideally families to move in, rent to everyone. Mm-hmm. But that's the type of home I was looking for. And this house is a four bedroom, two bath house mm-hmm. in Duncanville, Texas uh, that I ended up getting for $76,000. So about seven, eight months after you first met the, the agent and started training him, getting about 100 deals sent to you, and if, after losing your money, mm-hmm. a couple hundred, couple yeah. thousand dollars in earnest money, able to find a deal in October. So like I said, I, I have two follow-up questions. The first one is maybe touch a little bit about how you how you train this agent. Cause I think that's interesting that you don't have to find... So I, mean, I go on bigger pockets all the time and I'll see people asking about, you know, how do I find an investor-friendly agent? Mm-hmm. And I personally never seen someone say... We'll find a residential agent and just train them. So I think that would be something interesting to learn about. And then secondly, you said how you had your your criteria for for the house you're looking for. You know, three uh, three bed, two bath. I think last time you said that you wanted to find a property that cashed with a hundred dollars per door. Maybe talk a little bit about how why you 
kind of came up with like came up with that where that come from because obviously you didn't know anything about real estate before mm -hmm. and then you had these this criteria maybe talk a little bit about how you decided to say hey this is what I want to look for because of of these reasons I trained the agent by simply saying hey I, I'm much different from your typical buyer and I actually had a document I created for him and it was three things I look for in a house and my the characteristics of my ideal single family house. Okay. And I'd be happy to share that with everyone listening. You can email info at joefairless.com. And this is what I gave my agent whenever I was looking at uh, whenever I was looking and then buying homes. And this was in 2009 to 2012, I, I believe, is when I bought my last okay. house. And so the three things, one has to cost less than $1,000 to be move-in ready for a tenant. Two has to have at least $10,000 in equity. And three has to make, at closing, has to have at least $10,000 of equity. Okay. And three has to make at least $100 a month in profit after all expenses are paid. And there's a link to an online calculator that's free to use that's in this document. And again, best ever listeners, just email info at joefairless.com and uh, we'll get you that document. Happy to provide that to you. Uh, and then in that same document, underneath, it says characteristics of my single family house. And it has at least three beds, two bath, no pool. And the reason why I don't want to pull is because liability, number one, but then two, it will cancel out a lot of renters because they don't want to deal with the maintenance of a pool. Yeah. Uh, I want the house to take up as much of the land as possible hmm. because that will benefit me with, with uh, depreciation okay. because you uh, depreciate the, value, the, the home over a certain period of time. Whereas the land, you're now not able to do that. Okay, so you time. get more tax benefits. The larger the house eats up the lot, the better off you are on taxes for depreciation. I wanted uh, no part of HOAs. Mm -hmm. I broke my rule on the house number two. Talk about it in a second. And there, there's like a, a list of probably like nine or 10 things. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, okay. but you can get that document and happy to, you know, you'll, you can read through all of it. Uh, so that was the training process. I provided him this document. And what was your second question? Uh, you actually, my second question was, why did you pick that criteria? But you basically went over it. Okay, so let's get into the actual deals. You've got your first property under contract. You hit all three of the criteria. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go over... Let, let, let's go over the numbers of the deal first. Yeah. $76,000 purchase price. And it was 20% down payment through a loan with Quicken Loans. All in, it was 20% down payment. Money into the deal was $20,000. Okay. And that includes closing costs. So 76000 was the purchase price. Money into the deal was $20,000, and it rented at the time for $1,095. So basically $1,100 rent and $76,000 purchase price. Less than 1000 bucks to be moving ready, and it was, yeah, it met all my criteria. Four-bedroom, two-bath house, 
in a a neighborhood that in a, the home the home was built i believe if memory serves me correctly in the 1990s okay i believe early 1990s and it was in a neighborhood that you know just a bunch of families you know wasn't it was just really blue collar wasn't overly poor rich just kind of middle class and it was it was it was someone's was it someone's personal home or was it already being used as a rental it was I bought it from an investor, so I, I believe they flipped it, uh, fixed it up, and flipped it. Okay, because it was so it was, it was vacant when you bought it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you 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 finally do your your first deal, and and I know, I mean, I'm sure for anyone who's done a real estate deal before, you know, going into it when you've done zero, and then kind of coming out the other end, the reality versus what you expected that happen. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'm assuming this was for me was completely completely different. Mm-hmm. And so, do you want to talk about maybe what are some things that 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 went according to plan, and what are some things that did not go according to plan whatsoever? And you're just like, oh wow, I did not expect this to happen. <laughs> uh, well, what didn't go according to plan is getting a tenant in there as quickly as I wanted. Okay. And what didn't go according to plan, and this is related, was having a good property management company mm-hmm. right out of the gate. I did not. I hired a property management company that I found through Google. And it, it's a, a firm that is a, it's a brokerage that we've all heard of. I won't mention who it is, but it's a brokerage that everyone listening is familiar with. So even with that brand name, they were terrible at management. And they, the first tenant that took them two, three months to find someone. Oh, wow. And then after they found someone, it took about three, four months for them to evict that person they found because they weren't paying rent. It was just, it was a nightmare. And this whole time, I've got my W-2 job and I can't, I can barely afford to pay an additional mortgage on top of all the expenses I have. And so I'm basically not saving any money at this point. I'm just plumping it back into the mortgage payment for this single family house that I'm having to support. And I'm like, what did I get myself into? (laughs) Well, I I got the I got a referral from my sister who's a real estate agent and she referred me to a property management company she knows and they've been phenomenal. I've been working with them okay. ever since. And they got a tenant in there and thankfully that's that. As far as what so the lesson is for the property management, never find your management company through a Google search. Find them through uh, listening to property managers that we interview on this mm-hmm. podcast or through your real estate agent because your real estate agent wants you to be successful so you buy more properties from him or her or other investors in the area okay. basically get a referral i mean that that's the 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 short end of of it all as far as what went right well for all of my homes that i purchased i did not visit them before i bought them Never traveled. I was living in New York City. I never once traveled to Texas where I was buying homes to look at the property. None of them. I never, I've never uh, been the person where, who they call to fix the toilet because I have a property management company. I have gotten the rents that I've, I wanted. I got the rents that I wanted on that property that I, that we we were anticipating. And so it was, it's a great cash flowing property that 
fortunately, is one of the two most important things. The other most important thing is that it was move-in ready. Uh, so I didn't have to go come out of pocket a lot of money. And it did get the rent once we had a, a good qualified resident in place. So the numbers were there. It was just the operations that needed to be optimized. How did you not ever visit the property? Like, 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 do you, do you, how, how did you go about doing the due diligence and kind of knowing that it, it, it fits your criteria without you personally ever seeing the property? I'm sure it's kind of a toss up, but. Yeah, you know what? It's my skill set, and I recognize this early on. My skill set is not looking at the mechanicals of a property. My dad is very good at that. Okay. I never picked up on that at all from him. And what I realized is that all I need to know, and this is just for single-family homes. I'm not talking multifamily purchases. Completely different philosophy about multifamily purchases. But for single-family homes, all I needed, uh, and I recognized this before I bought my first deal, all I needed to do was have my real estate agent take pictures, do a video of the walkthrough. So I'm basically there with them. Exactly. And then... Uh, we identify or they identify any major issues that they see. And if they do identify major issues, then we can get a contractor in there to do an estimate, which I don't think we ever had a contractor do an estimate for the properties because I was looking at more turnkey properties with 10K equity in them. So they would share with me the video, the pictures. And after seeing that, I know all the other numbers how much does it cost? What is the projected rent? And now we know about how much it would cost to be moving ready because okay. it's there's nothing major wrong with it that we can see. Then we go into the inspection. We we put it under contract and then we go into the inspection process. Then we got a home inspector yep. doing a thorough analysis of the whole thing. Sure, it cost me a couple hundred dollars to do, so that's an expense. But it costs more than that to travel from New York City to it Texas. Yeah. And then I would use that home inspection report. I would send it to my dad and my brother-in-law, <laughs> who are mechanically inclined. And they'd say, I don't know about this. You need to you need to get this taken care of. Or they'd be like, you know what? Your management company can probably do that. And I'd also ask management company, which... At the time, I wasn't using a good one, so it wasn't that helpful. But my dad and my brother-in-law were very helpful. And that allowed me to estimate about how much needed to be done for the property to be moving ready. And that's how I was able to do it. I, there, were, there were That property uh, checked out, and then in the future, there were properties that didn't, and so I just pulled out. Let me ask you this. Uh, that was hypothetical, but let's say your, your dad and your brother weren't in the area. What would you have done differently? I would well. They didn't need to be in the area. They just need to look at an inspection report. Oh, okay, so you just gave them the inspection report. Okay. Yeah, they they didn't look at. They didn't go to the property. Oh, okay. I just the only person who went to the property was a real estate agent. Okay. And we'd get under contract, assuming there wasn't anything major they saw, and then once the inspection's done, I just email to my brother in law and my dad, and they would say, "Hey, this is what needs to be done. Or, this is important. This is not important." Okay. That makes sense. Okay, so that's, so that's that's your first deal. You said that at the end of it, after you bought it, it took you know you took a couple months to find a tenant. They put a tenant in there. It was terrible. It was not very good. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months to get a victim. Yeah. And then a new a new property management company. So how long from the the first deal until you 
until you, I guess you bought your, or I guess let's say until you started to, until you were ready to buy your second deal. It was about a year and a half. Year and a half. Because the $20,000 that I used for the first house wiped out my savings account, my all, all my bank accounts basically. Uh, it's, it, it took about a year and a half to save up enough for the next house, which was a three-bedroom house that I bought for $81,000. Okay. And I bought it with a unique loan program that no longer exists today called HomePath. HomePath. But I think there's a distant cousin of HomePath loans now. Uh, so if you want to Google that, you can figure out what, what that is. And the special thing about the HomePath loan is that – as an investor, I only put 10% down, and I would be able to buy a property with very little out of pocket. So I put all in about $12,000 okay. for an $81,000 house, and it was built in the early 2000s. Nice house. Mm-hmm. Nice house. Nice house. And it rented at the time for $1,175. Okay. Today, it rents for... I think close to $1,300. It was much better leverage uh, for, you know, for that type of house I, I got. And that, that place had a tenant already living there. Okay. And I just rolled right into the, the lease and they lived there for like two years, two, three years. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Didn't That's have to do anything. I actually... I got the day we closed. I got prorated rent from them. I got like five, like five hundred dollars or something from them, because that's that that's the you know how the numbers shook out. So it was, it's by far my best house. Not necessarily from a equity standpoint, but it's the best from a maintenance standpoint because it's so new. And the most potential to increase in value and rent over time. Okay. Um, and, and you found this deal with the same agent through the MLS? I found this one by myself. Okay. I went there. HomePath had a website. And it was all these homes that were foreclosed on. And so I went online. I looked. I, I, I followed these. They're like auctions almost. Mm-hmm. And you had first looks. That only primary residence people could buy, and then if it passed that, then I believe it was uh, veterans and mm. police officers and firefighters and maybe even teachers. I don't know if they all passed. Then it got to the feeding frenzy with investors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this one fell all the way down to the feeding frenzy, and I jumped on it. I've been tracking all all sorts of homes online. And I, I jumped on it and then I shared that with my sister, who's, who's going to be my real estate agent at that point. And she, she uh, put it under contract for me and then we, we got it done. So between, those, between that you know, year and a half time span, you know, it, it, it sounds like you, know, you got a new property management company, got a new real estate agent. You, you know, left the old real estate agents and looking at deals yourself, you found a new lending program. So it seemed like you were... You were very, very active. I, I mean, that is probably difficult to guess, but you know, you're working a full time job. Mm-hmm. How, how many? Let's say how much? How many hours per week would you say you spent on, I guess, real estate related activities? Because you already had a property management company. It wasn't necessarily for your 
your property. I guess I'm saying for proactive work towards finding this this next property or continuing to educate yourself or finding new team members. How much time do you say would you say you spent per week doing this? I would spend probably two, three hours a day. That's what I thought. Yeah. Leading leading up to the purchases, so so you, so you were doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Two thousand is, is a lot of work. I I, 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 I want to make that point. I guess that you've got your you have one single family home, and I I saw you got your you know your spreads your mm-hmm. your PowerPoint over there. Did you credit for your for your properties? And so it, I I figure that you put in a lot of time. You weren't just you know, going on there for ten fifteen minutes on Saturdays and then yeah. expecting to to find deals. You put in a ton of work to find you know just 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 two deals. You had to put all that unpaid labor in. Up, up front yeah. in order to kind of reap the benefits of that of that later on. I was obsessed. I still am. I'm just yeah. obsessed with multifamilies instead of single families now. But I was obsessed with single families and I had to train the first my agent on the first deal and on the second deal I was I found it. I found the, the house. Uh, and it takes time, especially when you've got a I mean on the first house when the when the tenant wasn't when they weren't able to find a tenant, I bought a, a domain, something like dfwrentals.com. And I just put, I, I, I asked my brother to help me put a website up on that domain and just promote the rental of my house. Yeah. And I posted on, on Craigslist and everywhere else because I needed to find a tenant so I could stop paying the mortgage on this house. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. So yeah, it was taking up a lot of my time. <laughs> okay, yeah. So maybe two is there is there anything I guess I guess special or or different about the pop properties three and four? Was it kind of kind of the the, the same um, cookie cutter as before? Different it's property three. I'll I'll go through it quickly. Property three, the purchase price was sixty four thousand dollars. Okay, it was a foreclosure. Bank of America owned the property. My sister, my real estate agent, found it, and we thought it made a lot of sense. Well, because of foreclosure, they wanted, they needed us to quick close quickly. Mm-hmm. So at this point, this was a couple years later. I had saved up fifty five thousand dollars, and the property purchase price was sixty four thousand. What I did is I got. My fifty five thousand, and then the difference was closed. The gap was closed by getting a credit card that was zero percent financing for twelve months. Okay, and I got cash advance to cover the difference, and bought it cash, and then. Like a couple, I I forget exactly how long. I felt like a couple months, maybe six months. But shortly thereafter, I got an appraised and it appraised for $86,000. I bought it for $64,000, appraised for $86,000. So we had, you know, $20,000, $22,000 in equity at closing in it built in right there. Then uh, what I did to get my money back out was I did a refinance Mm -hmm. on the property. And I put a loan on it. At the end of the day, now it profits about two hundred, two hundred and fifty bucks because it rents for. It rented for one thousand one hundred and fifty at the time, but it's increased a couple hundred dollars since then. So it's around thirteen hundred dollars in rent 
and bought it for sixty four thousand dollars. And it's a three bedroom, two bath house, 1980, 1990 uh, build. Great property. For that ca- for that cash you pull out, is that what you use for, for the a fourth property or do you, do you save it up and use it for something different? Cash I pulled out, I, <clears throat> I pulled it out the month that I left the advertising industry. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, I had that cash, it was about $50,000, $55,000 that I had uh, to then go become an entrepreneur. <laughs> it was okay. money I'd saved up along the way in my full-time job that I bought a house, got 22k in equity from that house, did a cash out refinance, got all that money back and then used that to say, "All right, you got 55 50-55,000 in the bank. You're an entrepreneur. What are you going to do? You got to make it happen." Um, and then the fourth house I bought with a while well, I had my full-time job and this is something i recommend everyone do everyone do go get a line of credit at a credit union or community bank while you have your full-time job there's no disadvantage to getting a line of credit because if you don't use it you don't use it and you don't pay any interest on it it's not a loan a loan the clock starts ticking on interest the moment you take the loan a line of credit, just have access to a line of credit from a community bank or credit union. And if you don't use it, no harm, no foul. If you do use it or if you want to use it, then you have an opportunity to get a relatively cheap interest rate uh, on the line of credit that you have. And what I did is I got a $40,000 line of credit while I had my full-time job from American Airlines Credit Union. And they... I used that $40,000 to purchase my fourth house, which was not moving ready. It went against what I was looking for. It was not moving ready. I bought it from a wholesaler for $35,000. They said $5,000 repair costs ended up costing $15,000, which is a really big deal uh, at the time, which still would be. But at the time, (laughs) $10,000 over was a very, very big deal for me. And... They they said once you get done fixing it up, it will rent. Right now it rents for seven hundred dollars. Once you get done fixing up, it'll rent for nine hundred dollars. Is what the wholesaler said? That's what the wholesaler okay. said. It rented for not even seven hundred dollars after fixing it up. The area was bad. Terrible area. And the house was built in nineteen forties. The other homes, the three homes, eighties, nineties, two thousands, completely different model. The construction crew it was actually a family friend. Mm-hmm. They took me. They they, they they took me on a trip down um, Money Pit Lane. Yeah, it, it, it was. <laughs> it, it was not a good situation. I sold that house. Sold okay. that house. I don't right. have that house anymore. I wanted to get out of it. I basically broke even on that house when I sold it. I sold it for like fifty thousand or something. But I mean, I, I did not make any money on that place. So the takeaway there is the real money is in buying distressed property, fixing it up, and then doing a cash out refinance, taking that money and either investing in something long term or you know doing whatever, you know, just repeating, rin- rinsing and repeating. Uh, but you have to have the systems in place to do that. Okay. And I did not on that fourth house, which was the first value add deal I attempted to do. And as a result, it didn't work out, but the first three homes certainly did. And I applied those lessons on the fourth house to the multifamily deals that 
uh, we're going to talk to in the next segment of yep. our, our show. Next segment. Yeah. Well, I guess, well one follow up question on that, on that last deal. You, you said that the, the wholesaler said it would cost you know, five grand to fix up and it would cost 15. You said it would rent for what, like 900, you said, and then it rented Se- for 700? 700. Yeah, I forget the exact numbers. I think they said 700 rented for less or something like that. Okay. Was, so was, was the reason why it, it, it didn't rent for that much? The reason why it didn't go for that much? Didn't rehab for. The five thousand dollars because of the, the mistakes that, that you made, or was it because of the fact that it, it, it was never going to go for five thousand dollars and rent for nine hundred? The wholesaler might have just um, exaggerated a little bit. Oh well, ultimately it's a mistake I made, regardless of which which yeah. one that is, because I either believed them or didn't. I, I I should or shouldn't have. It was primarily it the construction crew I hired, which was a family friend, was taking advantage of me. That's too bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and the lack of me being there. I'm in New York City. This property's in Texas. My sister drove by the property one time and they were doors were open. AC was blasting. It was like 50 degrees inside. People just hanging out. I mean, it was their only job. Yeah. And they were milking it for as long as they could. My mistake was not properly, ha- not having the right team. Not having the right oversight for the team and the process in place, not uh, doing the rent, not looking at the rent comps well enough, and not knowing the area, and not doing the initial due diligence on the the repairs that need to be done in order to close the deal. Because I got caught up in the wholesaler madness of exactly. gotta close quickly, gotta go quickly. Bank of America it was a it was a foreclosure, but there was more of a process, and I didn't get caught up in the frenzy as much as the wholesaler did a good job of doing what most of them do and that is creating a auction environment and having that auction type mentality and when we we have that then sometimes we let our emotions overtake our reasonable senses and methodical nature that we need to have and it happened (laughs) so those are those are all those are four deals a lot of information jam-packed into this is there anything else that you can think of when it comes to the single family property that you, you invest in before we, we get into the larger multifamilies next episode? I'd say the main takeaway is to find properties that you have built in equity at closing, increase the value if you can. But even if you can't, if you have enough built in equity, you can do a refinance, get basically the money you took out, you put into it back out. It's tax deferred, or it's not tax deferred. It's not taxable at all because it's your money when you take it back out and then use that money to go buy other properties. That is the fastest way to go from a point A to point Z is by, by doing that approach. Uh, now, you want to be careful with leverage and not over leverage yourself and that over leverage definition is unique to the individual. Everyone has different thresholds of where they would or wouldn't want to be at for leverage. That that would be the business plan that if I were still doing single family homes that I would implement. Okay. And it's basically the same business plan we're implementing for multifamily homes or multifamily properties now. Uh, And on part three of this three part series, you will hear about the multifamily business or how I uh, grew from four single-family home purchases to today as we record this uh, conversation, 
$101 million in real estate and over 1,400 units. So episode part three of this three-part series, we will focus on that. So that being said, best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe.